0: You need any help? If you've ever worked in a customer-facing position, whether in retail, sales, support, or service, it's a phrase that's probably been drilled into your brain. The customer is always right. You
1: know what, give me a manager. She Man, is the manager. I don't Well, then I want to speak to your
2: manager. I want to speak to your manager.
0: But these days, the stakes are even higher. Because if customers don't walk away from their experience fully satisfied, They have more ways than ever to voice their displeasure. Smartphones and social media have been game changers in how consumers interact with companies. And then there's the pandemic, which exposed the digital underbelly of many organizations that just weren't prepared for the new reality. Add all that to our ever increasing computing capabilities and access to data, and the conclusion is clear. CIOs currently have an unprecedented opportunity to put their companies over the top with customers and consumers. Welcome to Future Enterprise, proudly presented by the thought leaders at IDC. I'm your host, Joe Puccinelli, Group Vice President and IT Executive Advisor. On this episode, we're going to dive into a subject that's especially important to our economic recovery post COVID and gain insights from an industry leader in a member centric healthcare organization as we discuss the future of customers and consumers. Creating better customer experiences has been a goal for businesses for a long time. But despite heavy investment in the processes, technologies, and talent to make it happen, not many companies really excel in creating those superior, differentiated experiences. As competition intensifies and the number of product and service offerings increases, finding, retaining, and monetizing customers is getting harder and harder. IDC defines the future of customers and consumers as an empathetic relationship between customers and brands built on what customers really want. Also, at the core is how they want to be treated through the technology lens of awareness, engaging, learning, and measuring, which necessitates empathy at scale. It's on that note, I'd like to bring in our empath-in-chief here at IDC, our Program Vice President for Digital Strategy and Customer Experience, Alan Weber. Alan, welcome to our podcast.
3: Thank you, Joan. Thank you for inviting me. I appreciate it.
0: Did I do a decent job with my definition or is there anything you'd like to add or expand to that?
3: No, I think you did a great job with your definition. You know, the one thing I will say is, is that this was important before the pandemic, but post-pandemic. And as we go into whatever comes after this, it's going to be even more important and more critical as we try to figure out what customer experience looks like and how we build those relationships with all the changes that not only are companies going through, but that customers are going through.
0: Wow. Alan, you know, you've just put a bookmarker down for a point that we have to come back to. Very provocative comment where you're suggesting that the recovery from the pandemic might be at least as difficult as the journey we had into the pandemic. So, We're going to come back to that one. Sounds good. Before I continue, though, I'd like to introduce the chief information officer of a healthcare company that's recognized across the country as a leader in member-centric coverage, Devin Valencia from CareSource. Devin, thanks so much for being with us here today.
2: Joe, thanks for having me. Devin, maybe you could begin by giving
0: our listeners a bit of background about CareSource. And who exactly your customers and consumers
2: are? Yeah, CareSource is a managed care company and we care for members and and, and most vulnerable members of our population who are typically in Medicaid. We also serve members who um, buy off the state exchanges and have their health care coverage that way. CareSource has been uh, really focused and very mission-oriented on really creating care and for. When you think about the members that we serve, many of them are low income, have food vulnerability, housing vulnerability. Many are exiting the prison population, not all, but you know they have life circumstances and what we call social determinants of how things that. We know it, it's not just about the medical quality that people are receiving, but it's the community around them and the services and their availability to food and shelter and education and community services.
0: So, how challenging is it to be able to meet the varying needs when you serve so many different types of consumers?
2: Yeah, it can be uh, very complicated. You know, when someone needs to go and get their flu shot, it's a very different engagement or connection to that member as when they're having, say, a life altering event, say, a heart attack or a a critical acuity, or they've been diagnosed with a very complicated um, clinical um, diagnosis like cancer or diabetes. So it can be very complicated, and one size does not fit all.
0: You know, in the opening, Alan provided a, a an insight, and he suggested that it might be more difficult coming out of the pandemic than it was going into the pandemic. You know. Given that Ohio is one of those places and, and some of the other regions you're in are coming out of the pandemic at this point, are, are you seeing that in uh, among your consumers and the folks that you're serving?
2: Yeah, we are. I mean, and I think we've seen a few different dimensions. One is, you know, how do we help people get employed and how do we help them get sustainable income so that they can support themselves? I think the other thing that is is uh, very prevalent across the nation and probably across the globe is the reality of the mental health and behavioral health impact that the pandemic has had on people, a lot of folks didn't feel comfortable going to the doctor. So they've put off basic care needs. And so we're seeing accumulation of both behavioral health and medical health sort of coming to a peak where we are expecting the next couple of years are going to be complicated for folks because the mental intensity and the, and then just putting off just basic health needs.
3: Devin, what you said is is absolutely right. But the other part of this that I'm kind of wondering about is, is that It's not only the technology that you use and that your company uses to interact and engage with those customers, but it's also the technology that your customers and the consumers have. Everything from iPhones to tablets to laptops or in some populations, hardly anything at all. How have you seen that shift play into how it is you handle care? Because yes, we went through the pandemic, but the technology change didn't stop. In fact, it probably accelerated through that. How has that affected how you work with your customers and consumers.
2: Yeah, there's a lot of change. And and I think things that we had imagined just got really accelerated. So things like telehealth, you're seeing a lot of telehealth. So how do members connect to their doctors? Not everybody wants or can drive to the doctor. They have transportation issues, rural, rural providers and rural members that live far away. It's hard for them. So I think one of the tremendous benefits through the pandemic has been the acceleration of telemedicine, which has been hugely beneficial um, I think the other thing we're realizing is, you know, you think about the members we serve. So many of them, they, they may or may not have Wi-Fi in their home. So they may not have access to to telehealth. Many of them do have smartphones, but not all. And I, I think we're, we realize we've got to meet our members where they are. So we do, you know, c- try to connect with them on social media and try to engage them in the places that they're naturally at in the communities, like their churches and their um, community partnerships. And so then engaging those members exactly where they are, so to making it really easy for them to get the care that they need and also get the services they need. So if they need food services or transportation services, we find them where they are.
3: So it's it's fascinating because so many people, when they talk about this, they say, you know, when we go back to normal, the way it, used to be. I'm personally one of the people that are thinking, we're not going back. The changes that have come are going to stay here. So when you look at that and you look at the changes that have come, where do you see the next shift for how it is you engage with your customers and consumers? Because like you said, telehealth is critical. I mean, I used it, my family used it during the pandemic and we're big technology users and it still wasn't easy to go through because there's so much to that human interaction that is happening. So what do you see coming right next after this.
2: You know, I think we all have a little bit of a crystal ball. I would agree with you. We're not going, there's no backwards, but there's only forwards. But I think there's a few things that I find interesting. A lot of us are seeing, I, I think that there's a natural forward motion towards consumer driven or, or individually driven healthcare management. You know, healthcare is not like buying an iPhone, right? It's different. It's very unique and individualized. And yet when you buy an iPhone, from the time you press buy to the time you get a bill, the price doesn't change. And you don't need to know every, all the 400 components that go or probably 4,000 components that go inside of the iPhone. So I think you know things like telehealth and the things we see in other industries will, will naturally gravitate towards healthcare, remote monitoring capabilities and things like that to keep people and we'll, those things will drive costs, they'll drive convenience. And I, I think those things where maybe folks were dragging their heels a bit to to adopt those technologies. I think the consumers will drive us faster towards that, which I'm excited about.
0: So, you know, Devin, we talked about some of the challenges of the pandemic. I'd like to dig a little deeper into how CareSource responded by hearing from a colleague of
4: yours. My name is Jay Pillai, and I'm the chief operating officer at CareSource. When we look to engage members in a post-COVID world, we need to be able to serve their needs where they are and when they need it. This need is even more pronounced when we look at members in rural areas. This is bringing care where it's most critically needed and also addresses health equity issues. To support this vision, it is critical to have technology that will help connect members to caregivers, like nurse practitioners, and ultimately their PCPs, who may not be technology-enabled in rural areas. What if we could pay claims tied to these services real time? This would mean cash flow to a small rural provider immediately. To implement this mission, Kersos embarked on an aggressive plan to build this technology platform from ideation to pilot in just 90
0: days. Devin, a lot of companies had to act fast during the lockdown. Bridging the digital divide for your rural customers in 90 days is impressive.
2: I mean, in, in the pandemic, lots of companies and industries were impacted by lack of feet in the door, Right. Rural providers is a real, so many doctors, people did not go to the doctor's office. One that creates care issues for those members as they're not getting preventative care, but for those providers who are not associated with big hospital systems, they don't have capital, they can't invest, they don't have the money to invest in a telehealth system. And so what we've taken, we've done two things. We've taken our technology and given it to those providers because our members need the providers in the local regions where they're at. One of the big states we work in is Ohio. Not everybody can just pop up to the Cleveland Clinic, right? They may live hundreds of miles from uh, large hospital organizations, and so we've given our technology to our providers, and then we're making them financially about so so cash flow for rural providers during the pandemic is real, and so we've made cash flow a priority. So they get paid and have a median income and our members are healthier. So it's a win all the way around. Alan,
0: what's your take on what we heard from Jay? What lessons should other organizations take away
2: from this?
3: Well, it's fascinating that so many organizations have excuses on why we can't move forward. And Joe, the term you used, it's one of my favorites, is the digital underbelly. You know, so many of these organizations said, oh, yeah, we're, we're on top of digital transformation. We're going through it and stuff like that. And then, bam, the pandemic hit. And guess what? They weren't as far along as they said they were going to be. And what we just heard there from that is, is that, yeah, you know, the technology already existed. It wasn't a question of the technology. It was just putting all the right pieces in place. And it took something like a pandemic to do it. It's just, to me, such an amazing story about how it is when we know what's important to us, when we know who our customers are and who their customers are, how we can move those barriers and those boundaries to bring what it is they really need to the place they need it at. And that, to me, you know, we talked, Joe, about the whole concept of empathy and empathy at scale. That's really where this is going. It's the use of the technology, the data, the intelligence, and understanding who your market is that allows us to get that empathy at scale. And so I think it's an incredible story.
0: This seems like a good place to press pause in the conversation. Coming up after the break, we're going to hear from a couple more of Devin's colleagues at CareSource. You're listening to Future Enterprise, a forward-thinking podcast from IDC. Focused on how data and technology are reshaping the workplace, applied intelligence, and software. I'm your host, Joe Puccarelli. If you haven't heard them already, I'd encourage you to catch up on past episodes wherever you get your podcasts. And give us a like and follow so you don't miss any more. You can visit IDC.com for our latest research insights. Today, I'm talking about the future of customers and consumers with the CIO of CareSource, Devin Valencia and Alan Weber, IDC's Vice President for Digital Strategy and Customer Experience. Devin, one of the challenges you mentioned earlier when it comes to meeting the needs of your clients is that those needs vary so widely. So we've actually reached out to another one of your colleagues to learn more about how CareSource is addressing that challenge.
1: I'm Dr. Sally Zumlas, and I'm the Vice President for Enterprise Quality and Performance Outcomes at CareSource. Our job at CareSource is to ensure that we build programs and collaborative relationships across our communities that serve the individual needs of our members who may be vulnerable to disease or poor health as a result of existing illness, life circumstances, or the impact of social and community factors. At CareSource, with the support of our HIE team and partners, we've integrated numerous data sources that help us to analyze and bring our populations to life We've been able to use HIE data to assemble programs and focused interventions targeting our highest risk populations. Aiming to reduce infant mortality, to improve diabetes control, to drive efficient and effective COVID immunization, and to increase the use of telehealth, these initiatives were all designed and implemented using the intelligence now at our fingertips as a result of critical HIE technology. It is truly revolutionizing the way we strategize population health management.
0: Devin, there's a deeper concept at play there. I believe you call it whole person health. Can you explain a little more what that is?
2: Yeah, it's a great question, Joanne. I, I don't, you know, being, I've been in the healthcare industry for many, many, many years. And I, those of us that are in it know this, but I don't know that it's common knowledge. What we, what studies have shown and, and very specifically is that only about 20% of someone's health is based on medical interaction. The 80% is based on the whole person health. Where do you live? What's your education? What job do you have available? What support system do you have around you? What services, transportation, food, etc. All those social, what we call social determinants impact both the, the mental and behavioral health as well as the physical. And it's the whole human. It's the mind-body connection that drives real health. And so, for example, uh, we are one of the only uh, managed Medicaid plans in the nation that we have a director of housing. We have a director of prison populations. We help people um, find transportation and food services. And we are really invested in that, not because we think it's a do-gooder thing, but we know it helps. You can't think about going to get your flu shot if you don't have a place to live or if you don't have reliable services or transportation. So we know those things really matter. Moms with babies, how do you get to the doctor? You got to help them out.
0: So Alan, the question here that other organizations really need to be asking themselves is how do we use technology and services meet the needs of our customers and consumers.
3: Joe, that is so true. I mean, what we've just heard is, you know, how they're using data and intelligence through technology to actually identify what some people refer to as gray rhino events. You might have heard of black swan events that just seem to come out of nowhere. We talk about the elephant in the room. If you go back and you look, gray rhino events are highly probable high impact but neglected events and so when it comes to customer experience a lot of this can be uncovered through the data and intelligence that's there and what i hear you know devon's organization doing is really using that data and that intelligence to identify those key aspects to their constituents, their customers' healthcare that's so important, and then actually pulling them out and addressing those before they become much worse or much more catastrophic for all these consumers. So it's actually really fun to hear how you're bringing data, intelligence, and technology together to address something that we should have known about, that we do know about, but we just ignore.
0: Devin, I know another big focus for you at CareSource is an effort to recruit diverse talent to fuel innovation. We're going to hear from another one of your colleagues who couldn't be a
4: better example of that. Hi, I'm Ben Lingenkamp and I'm an IT manager at CareSource in the software quality department. You know, in my current position, I have the privilege to meet with an array of candidates seeking IT jobs. I'm looking for base skills, but then I'm also looking for those details that make me believe this person's going to fit our culture here. And I do this because I know from working as an individual contributor, that the most successful and creative technical solutions came from teams of people with very unique backgrounds, both in and out of the office. In my department, we've turned our attention to automation and DevOps practices to stay on the cutting edge of the industry. But to keep in line with our mission to serve our member population, it's important to include security in everything that we do. Today, I'm leading an effort to systematically mask all sensitive health data from testing environments that could pose a risk. And to do this, we've had to ride a roller coaster of creative problem solving that brought together groups of diverse professionals. And this diversity over time just becomes professional evolution. Plain and simple, we are a better machine because of it. And I know the advantages of diversity because it's actually my story. With all my experience limited to classroom study and a background from another industry entirely, where other companies saw inexperience and risk, CareSource saw diversity of experience as a factor that could drive innovation. A CareSource recruiter was able to analyze the factors beyond my base skills and enroll me in the internship program. And from there, leadership took an interest in where I wanted to go, continuously placing challenges in my path to empower my growth. Eight years and four promotions later, I'm proud to be doing the exact same thing for others. Let me
0: get this straight. Ben went from one of your customers to a star employee who now pays it forward to other people who are in his position.
2: Yeah, Ben's a fantastic guy. He's one of the smartest guys we have on our team. And I, I love working with him. And yeah, he Ben has a fantastic story. He was in the Medicaid system. He was one of our members. And he went through a technology boot camp, got basic skills, didn't have a ton of experience, but had basic skills. And we hired him. Um, and he's just been a, fen- a phenomenal employee. One of the things we think about, so there's a a lot of dimensions to this. One is, this going back to our social determinants, we are very focused on job services, and we know that tech jobs and, you know, entry-level tech jobs change lives. So if you can get a certification, just a simple certification in testing or Agile or different things or coding – uh, you can have an entry-level job that is life-changing. And we uh, helped. We have many programs, and the te- our tech boot camps is one of them, where we give our members and other members of the community, not necessarily just CareSource members, but we give them the opportunity to go through these boot camps, and we commit to hiring them. We used to require a four-year college degree for our employees to get hired, and, and, and we don't require it anymore. Our goal is to have an organization that reflects the diversity of the members and the customers that we serve if we all have the same exact experience we do the same exact thing i you know our goal as an organization is to have lots of different ideas and experience sets and people to feel comfortable to take risks and ben's a perfect example of the kinds of people we want to join the organization and the kind of teams we're trying to build innovation isn't just about trying cool stuff with technology it's about innovation of ideas and challenging each other to do amazing things.
0: Alan, I'm just blown away by the story that that we've just heard about Ben, and I'm blown away by what's going on at at CareSource. We're hearing about an organization that's walking the walk, that is embracing empathy at at a very fundamental level. And I, I just, I think that is really notable.
3: Yeah, one of the critical things is that customers have to be able to see themselves in the organizations that they interact and engage with. And I think that's what we're talking about here with Ben. I mean, we talk about the importance of diversity and ideas and things like that. And I think Devin's exactly right when she said, if we all come from the same place, then it's the same thing over and over again. You know, I remember this old saying from my dad, he's like, a rut's just a grave with both ends kicked out. And that's exactly what we get into with so many of these organizations, we treat our customers like they're in a rut and like we're in a rut. And so the diversity of thought, the diversity of background, the diversity of experience and training is what allows us to actually empathize and interact and engage with our customers at a whole new level. So I I love hearing stories like that. And I don't think people realize, you know, we talk about technology and how important the technology is. We so often forget just how important the people, the background, and the experience is to making this real for people.
2: Yeah, I, I want to tell, uh, tell a story about you know what, how how we how this really comes to life. So one of the things we have, and many companies have, have employee resource groups where there are affinity groups. They could be gender-based, racially-based, where people can connect. One of the employee groups we have is the Asian Pacific employee group. And one of the things that I was talking to one of our, our senior leaders, who's a part of that group, and we do marketing campaigns in diverse communities. Well, we did a marketing campaign in an Asian community and nobody picked up the bags. And our, and then our marketing team asked the, the, the group, like, what, what's going on? And our Asian group said, well, you, you can't give them gray bags. They have to be red there's a color connotation and there's a community connection they don't think you know them color in the in in the chinese communities matters a lot and our marketing team didn't know right and so then we use our employee resource groups to figure those things out and then try to really connect with the members and exactly what matters to them if you don't trust your something in like healthcare if you don't really trust your insurance company it you may miss and not take care of yourself. You may skip doctor's appointments if you don't trust that uh, your insurance company or your doctors really understand what you're all about.
0: So so Devin, this is a great example about understanding a situation and reducing the friction that, that was impeding forward action. And, and I think that that is, is great. What I'd like to do is is to talk more about that. You know, what's your approach to ensuring the customer experience is as smooth as possible?
2: So we think about customer experience on all sorts of different dimensions, right? So, you know, how do we make it easy for them to see their doctor? How do we make sure that the things they need to get done, they are aware? So what immunizations, what clinical care, what preventative care, how do we help them? So when they show up to the doctor, they aren't charged for things that they don't need to be charged for. Also just telling them, here's the best and easiest way. So one of the things we do too is we have say trucks that will go to Certain community locations, whether it's a food bank or a community organization, and we can give free shots there. So we find them where they are. It, it's, you know, healthcare is complicated and helping people have access. It's easy for me to get in my car and drive my children to the pediatrician. It's not easy for everybody else to get that kind of access. I think the other thing we do is, we try, you know, we try to think about the, you know, just sort of the back end of things. How do we make, you know, pay claims so that people aren't unaware? How do we authorize things? Just make, make our back office so efficient so that the members aren't they shouldn't have to be involved in problem solving of their health care. And that's our primary goal is to make it easy for them to get the care that they need and the right care.
0: You know, Alan, here at IDC, we believe that the best friction reduction tool is digital technology. We spend
3: so much time focusing and talking about technology, but we forget that there's... Technology is just a lens. It's a prism through which we interact and engage. And I use the term prism specifically because it changes what we see, what we feel and how we interact. It's not like... Normal human to human interaction. And I think that is so different for so many different populations. I just read a story recently about people getting COVID shots in their barbershop because that was a common place in their community that they could get to and that was trusted. And so, you know, yeah, technology is a key piece of this, and technology is going to be a larger and larger piece of this, whether it's data, whether it's the actual device, whatever, you know, the screen, whatever it may be. But we can't forget about that human piece. There's a person who's going through a life event or a life journey on both ends of that and how we bring that together. You know, Joe, in, in our model for future of customers and consumers, we put the customer at the very, very center, because that's really what this is all about. The customers at the center, what it is they need and want. And then we have a layer of technology that we go through. And then out at the outside, that's where we have our business outcomes that we hope is going to get us where we need to go. But we always need to focus at the center at that bullseye, because that's where the value's at.
2: Yeah. We've had a big focus too. I think you're right. You're, you know, you're absolutely right. And and the biggest focus for us has been just from a pure technology, how do we make the supply chain more efficient? How the movement of data, we've done huge investments in our data, in, what do we call our, our data integration. So streaming data, containerization, EDI, batch, even if things are batch or file-based, but how do you move those things so quickly and securely? And we've spent a, made a lot of investment because I think having the right data at the right time it matters, particularly when you're talking about health and, and, and folks that may be having uh, health crises or, or just normal interactions. So we made a lot of investments. And the nice thing is the technology is caught up with the imagination. So the modern technologies for data movement and data analysis, it's there and it's, it's for the taking. And it's exciting to see those things come together and have real impact on the system that we're in.
0: Well, all that data in motion seems to have built up a bit of a charge because the sound that I'm hearing can only mean one thing. It's time for the lightning round. For those of you who aren't familiar, the lightning round is when we like to put our guests on the spot one last time and ask them to boil down their key takeaways from our conversation. Devin, if you're ready, you're first. 30 seconds on the clock. What's the most important thing for organizations to think about? as they look to managing the evolving relationship with their customers and consumers
2: in the years ahead. I think it's really important to understand what the customer needs and wants. We can we tend to be very oriented to what we need and how we think our business runs and we, we lose the customer in that process so is really understanding what, what their needs and wants and these concepts of like whole person interaction, I think is a, a huge priority for a lot of companies.
0: Devin, in the entire history of our podcast, you're the first person that actually did it in 30 seconds. So thank you very much. That was a great, concise summary of some of the topics we talked about today. Okay, Alan, I know you like to have the last word, so here's your chance. What's your parting wisdom to CIOs and other business leaders?
3: The parting wisdom is is that technology is only part of the answer. It's a critical piece, but it's only part of the answer understanding that customer at the center and the context around what it is and why it is they're interacting and engaging with you is absolutely critical. If you miss that, you're going to miss everything else. So yes, technology is critical, but you got to start at the customer and you got to work your way out from there. And, and that's exactly what I hear Devin and her wonderful organization doing.
0: Alan, that, that was a great insight. Thank you for sharing that. I have to say, this has been an enlightening conversation for me today. Devin, thanks so much for sharing your thoughts and
2: insights with us. Joe, thank you so much for having me. And Alan, so great to meet you both. And Alan, it's always informative.
0: Thanks again for being
2: here.
3: Joe, thank you. And Devin, it was wonderful to have this conversation with you.
0: My guests today have been Devin Valencia, the Chief Information Officer at Caresource, and Alan Weber, Program Vice President, Digital Strategy and Customer Experience at IDC. I'm Joe Puccinelli, and this is Future Enterprise. I hope you'll join us again next time when we're going to discuss the future of operations with a CIO who's pushing for a radical rethink of right-to-left planning. If you'd like to learn more about any of our other future of research practices, you can visit us at idc.com. It's been great to share time with you today.